Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. If this is your first Sunday, welcome, welcome. Uh, we are in the middle of a series looking at the what's called the high view of God. Um, and we've, we're kind of uh, in about fourth week of that, but hey, if this is your first Sunday, this is going to be a fantastic message. You won't have to have heard all the previous stuff. We're going to be just going off on uh, what we're going to talk about today. But um, there's a strong pull, kind of the overall thought is having to be reminded that this, this high view of God, because we have a tendency to diminish God in our own little way so that mildly we can manage Him, that we can kind of control Him a little bit, and so we kind of reduce God down to kind of the God that we want Him to be. But the God that is revealed in the Scriptures is maybe quite different than the God that we attempt to diminish uh, in our lives. Um, we have seen in our previous weeks that God has no origin, He has no beginning, that He requires no helpers, that He is unchangeable and that He has no limitations, that He is far above our mind, what our mind can conceive of Him being, that He is ever-present, He is all-wise and full of justice. But God's attributes, uh, while not, are not isolated traits, but facets of His unitary being. We can think of them separately, but they cannot be separated from each other. But in order for us to kind of mildly comprehend who this God is and what He is like, we have to allow each facet to kind of speak for itself for us to get a bigger view of who He is. So let's dive into uh, more of who God is this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that our lives can be... Um, our lives can rely upon the trustworthiness of you and your word. And God, I pray that your faithfulness would be clearly seen, uh, your faithfulness, God. Not our interpretation of your faithfulness, but God, let your faithfulness shine through in your word and in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we talked about how God is an unchanging God, and out of that kind of flows with it that if He is unchangeable, if He said that He was going to do something, if He is unchangeable, it means that He cannot go back on His Word. He is always faithful. God cannot be unfaithful to Himself because that would require change. Deuteronomy 32, Moses said this, the rock... His work is perfect, and all His ways are justice. We talked about last week. A God of faithfulness, without iniquity, just and upright is He. This is the God who led the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses is on his way into the promised land, and as God guided him, this was his declaration of, this is the kind of God that's guiding me in my life. He is a rock. He is perfect. He's justice. He is justice, faithful without iniquity. How about Psalm 86.5? But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness 
This psalm was a re-articulation of when Moses, right before he gets into the promised land, he has an interaction with the Lord. And the Lord comes, comes before him, and the angels declare this exact statement. O Lord, O Lord, you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Tremendous proclamation. Or how about Psalm 33, verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his works are done in faithfulness. He is at at once faithful and unchangeable, so his words and acts must be and remain faithful as well. But we are quite familiar with unfaithfulness in our life. We might have a few stories, if you've lived any portion of life, you probably have a handful of stories where you've witnessed unfaithfulness, whether it be in your own personal life or maybe some famous person. You've witnessed unfaithfulness, and that's very common because humans become unfaithful out of desire, out of fear, out of weakness, loss of interest. People can become unfaithful or because of some strong outside influence, and obviously none of those forces can affect God, but man bends to those regularly. What does it mean that God is faithful? Let's ensure that our saying that He is faithful is not based upon our perception of what we would consider faithful. Again, we we can diminish God, and we can begin to define Him in our own way rather than Him defining Himself. I heard this testimony that I thought was pretty revelatory. This guy wrote, he says, Recently I was praying about a matter of great concern. The Lord graciously heard my cry, and in His grace, I witnessed and experienced His move on my behalf, and He answered my request. I was thanking the Lord for how He granted my petition and said in praise, Oh Lord, I want to thank You for Your faithfulness. But I stopped in the middle of my prayer, and I asked myself this question. Was I equating God's faithfulness to the fact that He answered my prayer? Hmm. Well, what if He had not? Would He have been unfaithful? Is God's faithfulness determined by whether or not He beckons to my request to turn situations and circumstances into my favor? Does God's faithfulness in my life mean the absence of difficulties? These these questions, as he was proclaiming about the faithfulness of God, he wanted to make sure that he wasn't hinging it upon happenstance or that he's uh, kind of like, my relationship with God is going to go good as long as he answers my requests. And when he doesn't, then I'm going to say that he is unfaithful just declaratively and I'm walking. How entirely, completely self-centered is that perspective. But, hey, we're here. We're going to learn. We're going to walk out of this, all right? Faithfulness speaks to the very core of God's character. Faithfulness has to do with being reliable, dependable, firm at times, stable, trustworthy, and trueness to one's word. And while no earthly person is 100% faithful, Scripture declares that God will always be faithful because that's who he is. God's faithfulness was expressed in his covenant to Israel. 
God made a covenant with Israel that if they were to stay, if they were, if they were loyal to him and didn't embrace the gods of the surrounding pagans and would be a witness to the true God of heaven, that he would bless them abundantly. But if they disobeyed and forsook him, and would ex- they would experience the consequences of embracing other gods and would eventually go into captivity to other nations. This was God's promise when he set up his covenant, right? When I said that the Lord passed through Moses and there was that big declaration, his steadfast love and faithfulness, and then God outlays that covenant in Deuteronomy 32. And this was his covenant with the nation of Israel. He was faithful. God was faithful to the covenant. And when they obeyed him, they were blessed beyond measure. But when they disobeyed him, they endured bitter consequences for forsaking their God. And while the people blamed God when they found themselves in captivity, God was only being faithful to his covenant. He was faithful. They were not. God would, have, God would have violated his faithfulness if he had changed the terms of the covenant to accommodate disobedience. This covenant with Israel was a part of God's progressively unfolding plan to provide humanity with a way to come into the presence of a holy God, which culminated in the cross of Jesus Christ. God in Christ came to earth to be the answer for mankind's predicament that here's this holy God and yet his creation is unholy, broken, fractured, and they need a remedy. Mankind cannot produce his own remedy. You ever tried to fix your life? How's that working out for you, huh? You getting good ground on that? Christ in his perfect life complied with God's holy demands on our behalf. And he satisfied holiness's judgment on sin as he hung on the cross. Christ of the cross is God's only provision to the problem of mankind's sin. And he will not make an exception for you or for me. If he did, he would, have violate, he would violate his own faithfulness in, in regard to what he proclaimed through Jesus. No one can come to the Father but through me. And so from the depths of the councils of eternity, God set forth in motion a great master plan that involves all of creation and humanity. In and on his timetable, he'll bring it to pass, everything that was purposed. I like this phrase. As man stands in the train station of life, he is faced with two choices as the train of God's master plan barrels down the tracks of history. Either watch as the train passes by, or get on board and ride with him to his designed plan for your life and his master plan for the planet. And scripture over and over and over it says, says he will bring it to pass with perfect faithfulness. Says it over and over and over and over. God will bring it to pass. But what is he faithful to? He's faithful to himself because he cannot change. So who he is is always who he's going to be. But yet also his faithfulness has to do with what he has spoken, what he has promised you and I, his promises. God made promises to his people and he is faithful to those promises. God is faithful because he's unchanging. 
And he's faithful because he backs every promise that he ever made. The Lord wants us to have assurance that his covenant and his promises cannot fail. Psalm 91 says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, who find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, this I declare about the Lord. He, is al- he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. And check this out. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. God's faithful promises are your armor and protection. That's wild that David would write this about God's promises. Your faithful promises are armor and protection for your life. The Bible is full of promises. Actually, according to one Bible website, um, there's 5,467 promises in Scripture. 5,467, give or take, promises in Scripture. How many do you know? Here we go. Every one of these promises are backed by a faithful God. And here's the crazy thing. All of his promises have been fulfilled. All of them. All of them. And yet, how about this? Uh, scripture to back that statement up. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. Amen is a declaration of yes. So whenever you pray and you say amen, it's a, it is in the spiritual realm like, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I know the Lord's will agrees with that. Amen, yes. And so we can kind of exchange those. For all the promises of God find their amen in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our yes to God for his glory. That means that all 5,400 plus promises are completely wrapped up in Christ. What? The sad fact is that very few of us know, let alone walk confidently in them and orient our life on them. But Jesus said, the truth you know will set you free. Hmm? Is that what he said? Yeah, it's a little reworking, but if you think about it, that's exactly what he said. The truth you know will set you free. So, the following are 10 promises. It's 5,400. We're going to do top 10, my top 10. Uh, you can make your own top 10, but uh, here are 10 promises that are truths that you should know. And of all the promises of God, start with these because if you just... Anchor down in these 10 over this next season of your life, you will be a completely different person on the other side of it because God's word does not return void. It accomplishes its purpose for which it was sent. Amen? So, uh, promise number one, you are righteous. It's a court term. Righteousness is a court term. Are you guilty or not guilty? By Christ you are righteous. You are not guilty. This ultimate proclamation, you are righteous. For the sin of this one man, Adam, 
caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are righteous. Promise number two, you are a new creation. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. This means that anyone belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. As the righteous son of Christ, you are a new creation. You were a sinner. You were full of sinful desires, but that's the old you. You are now righteous and desire righteousness. You were weak, but now you are strong and your life is brand new. All right? You guys okay with these first two promises? Is this kind of like, man, I've never heard this before. No, I've probably heard those two before, all right? Righteous and you are a new creation. How about number three? You will be victorious. Ooh, some mind knots on that one when you heard that, huh? I will be, ah, I haven't experienced that yet. Well, here's God's promise to you is you will be victorious. Know in all these things you are more than conquerors through him who loves us. No matter what you are going through, no matter how hard things may seem, overwhelming victory is yours. Victory happens. There's another bumper sticker that says other things happen. But Jesus' bumper sticker says victory happens every time. Come on now. Persevere through the storm. All right, number four, you will always be connected to His love. That's a promise by God. You will always be. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. There's nothing. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from God's love. There's no amount of trauma been induced upon you that can separate you from God's love. Promise number five, you will always have what you need. It's a promise by God. You will always have what you need. Not what you want, what you need. Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all, all things? You are in God's family now. You have an inheritance. All right. Number six, you will always be protected Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. You will always be protected by God, no matter what. Even if you've been placed in a life or death situation, He'll protect you. Lots of testimonies there, but we're going to keep going. Number seven, he will, I'll back up. I want to make it a valid point. Just because we go through difficulties doesn't mean that God abandons us. And so sometimes we feel that way. We feel like, man, where's God? But it's like he is right there along with you no matter what to protect you. So many testimonies that I've heard of people that have been persecuted for their faith. And it's in those moments when they're getting beaten, when they're getting tortured, when they're getting where they, and they've come out of it, they've lived through it. And time and time again, I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony. It was like Jesus showed up in the room 
and he was hugging me the whole time, and I couldn't feel any pain. And so I'm telling you, Jesus will always protect you. Number seven, he will strengthen and uphold you. That was a little heavy thought. Wow. But he's going to protect you no matter what. Number seven, he will strengthen and uphold you. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous or victorious right hand. God wants to strengthen and uphold you, and that's his promise to you. Wow. Man, I didn't know that was a promise to me. I thought I had to just do that all on my own. Number eight, he rejoices over you. That's a promise by God. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Sometimes I think that this, this one right here might throw off the most religious folk because sometimes we think that God is this kind of um, browbeater, and uh, that he, until, you're, until you live that perfect life, you know, the, the, probably won't crack a smile from his face, right? Sometimes we think that I got to live this, and, and the Lord's going to look, and it's just like, well, maybe you need to graduate from your Sunday school God and actually find yourself up with the God of the Bible. Amen? All right. He rejoices over you. Number nine, he will give you rest. Jesus said this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And number 10, you will have an abundant life. You will have an abundant life. Now, the health and wealth people kind of say the abundance equates to material possession. That's not what this Word of God says. <laughs> It's that you will have an abundant life. Jesus said this, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give abundant life. And just like when Trevor was saying, man, that, if, that, if you're a follower of Christ, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you. And that is God's guarantee that you will have an abundant life. Amen? So here's these 10 promises you're righteous, a new creation, you'll be victorious, you're connected by his love, you'll always have what you need, you'll always be protected, he'll strengthen and uphold you, he rejoices over you, he'll give you rest, and you will have an abundant life. Tremendous promises, those are only 10 of 5,400 that we find in scriptures that are completely fulfilled in Christ. So, in kind of reworking our, our thought of God's faithfulness, that maybe his... He's beyond faithful. Maybe he's more faithful than I give him credit, and maybe if I would just stop reducing God to my little box and have him serve me like cosmic Santa Claus, this is what I want. But if we could get out of that box and into seeing that there is a God who is faithful and he will back every word that he has ever uttered, and in Christ, those promises are yours. That's why this is a good news. That's why part of this gets maybe sometimes overshadowed with some other messages of the gospel. But man, this is so important for our life to understand, that God is faithful, not to your plan, but to his plan and to you. And in Ephesians, Paul says this, that 
man, he can accomplish infinitely more than you could ever dare to think or imagine because of the power that was working in you. So for many of us, we come into the kingdom with kind of our expectation of what this is. Okay, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I kind of come to him. I know I'm broken. I know I need him. I'm in desperation. And so I come into wholeness or I come into him and I start feeling, wow, feeling like a new creation. Some, some things are changing, but a lot of times we'll bring in so much of our old life and our old way of thinking and our old way of kind of viewing God and we'll just kind of camp out in the entryway of the kingdom of God, right? Just like, hey, you just got welcomed in and you're like, no, no more exploration. I'm just going to keep what I brought in and I'm just going to camp out here. I'm good, right? Because I'm in the house, right? Because if this is all about me getting to heaven, then I'm good, Maybe if the gospel was a little bit more flourished out for that person. It wasn't just about them getting into heaven. It's about them becoming who God made them to be from the beginning of creation. It's that you and I walk fully into the purposes of God in our lives and then go be with him. But it's that we're fulfilling what he made us for, not just holding out for something later on. So let's walk in these promises. Um, we're going to take communion here uh, in a second. And uh, how we do communion here at City Life is um, just there'll be a table up front. Uh, just kind of stand up and come down the middle, grab a communion, and I got you a little promise card. So grab you a promise card, and we're going to interact with these during communion. So um, if we could get the table moved over, let's do communion. Just uh, grab your communion elements, grab a card, go back around the side, sit in your chair, and we'll take communion together. But let's, uh, let's kind of grab our accoutrement, okay? All right. Let's come, come up for communion, and uh, we'll be back shortly.
All right. Well, before we take communion together, uh, just I want you to pick a promise that stuck out as we went through all 10. Just pick one that you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Pick that one. And just between you and the Lord, just in your heart, if there's anything that you think that you would, that you believe that is getting in the way of you believing that, then just say, Lord, I repent of believing that lie about this truth. So pick one, maybe do a little business with God. Just say, God, thank you for this promise in my life. Thank you that you have these promises over our life and that, God, you were faithful to your master plan in covenant to come give us your son, to die a death that we deserved, but, God, that only you could fulfill in perfection. And, Lord, we thank you that these promises are now ours because of you. Lord, we didn't do anything for them. These promises are a gift from you to us. And God, I pray that we would walk in, the, in your promises, walk in your word in a way that we never have before in this next season. Lord, we thank you for just the, the treasure of your word and the greatness of your promises. Lord, we just thank you the master of all, the king of all, that you did indeed send your son to pay the price of our sin. God, in exchange, you gave us your life, and not just life, you gave it abundantly. So, Lord, we here this morning just thank you and remember your sacrifice to set us free. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, as we take this communion together, God, that we would live that life of freedom in you that you made us for. Lord, we thank you that you're a faithful God and that you will always be faithful no matter what we do. God, you are stable and dependable. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread and the cup together. thank you for your broken body and your shed blood on the cross so that we can live in the goodness of your kingdom, live with your spirit living inside of us. God, if there's any of us here that feels like, God, I don't feel like my spirit, your spirit's living in me. God, I pray that today, right now, you would say, Jesus, I want all of you. I want you to have all of me. All my times of running and playing games with you, I give it to you.
And God, I, I want your life that you have for me. And I thank you for Jesus who made that possible. And if that's you, just pray that in your heart. Just genuinely, God, I give you my life. Lord, thank you for men and women that God may have just crossed the line for the first time into your family, into your kingdom. God, I pray that you would surround them with your fatherly love, your loving kindness, and your faithfulness that would pursue them the rest of your, their life, God. Lord, we thank you for the treasures, these treasures of your promises, and I pray that your church, us included, God, that we would walk well in this generation and these promises and seeing how good you are, how big you are. God, that you see the plans of man and you sit up in heaven and laugh because, God, all of it is moving towards your end and your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.